Welcome to Prime Alpha's interview series, insights from industry practitioners discussing their journey and their discoveries. Hello, my name is Amanda Jogia, the CEO of Prime Alpha, an online ecosystem bringing together alternative opportunities and their investors. I would like to introduce Sizemore, CIO of Sizemore Capital Management and co-manager of the Blue Orbit Capital Fund. Blue Orbit is a quantitative fund designed to deliver returns that are largely uncorrelated to traditional asset classes. Welcome, Charles. Thanks for having me. I am very excited to have this conversation. We've known each other for a little bit of time, so I'm excited for our audience to hear your story. Let's get started and talk about what led you here. Sure. It's funny. I, I knew from a young age that I would be doing something in the investment world. I didn't really know what it meant at the time, but I knew that's the direction I wanted to go. Ever since, how, how old was I? Probably nine, 10 years old. I saw my grandfather with his little legal pad and his little sharpened pencils, just furiously scribbling down ticker symbols and prices. This was before we had the internet. So it was just whatever you could get scrolling across the TV was the, you know, the best you could get. And I didn't know what it was. It looked like Greek to me. It was just a bunch of unintelligible symbols and, and numbers, but I knew it looked amazing. And I knew that I wanted to do something in the world's investments. And lo and behold, that's exactly the way things went. I got my undergraduate degree in, in finance and business. Initially went into, well, it's funny. I graduated from college right as the dot-com bubble was bursting. So employment on Wall Street was not exactly uh, easy to come by at the time. So I actually did a detour and worked as a commercial credit analyst for a while, which was really good experience because it, it enabled me to really get into the nitty gritty of financial statements. I really learned how to pick apart financials, which was insanely valuable. Then I took a break, went, went to grad school. By the time I got out of there, you know, the market was actually investable again. That's, that's why I really started down the, the path I'm on now. I started working for a registered investment advisor and fund manager in the Tampa area of all places. And in 2008, I decided it was time to launch my own firm. And that's uh, the origins of Sizemore Capital and the rest is history. So what was that pivotal point in time when you decided to go off on your own? Like, what was that moment that this is the avenue that you should go down? I can tell you exactly when it was. It was the 2008 meltdown. That was, of course, a very jarring time to be in this line of work, but that's when I realized that if I was going to really serve my clients well, then I needed to have more control. At the time, I was working for another manager, and he had gotten exceptionally bearish as the market collapsed in 2008. And as prices collapsed, I had actually gotten bullish. To me, it seemed opportunistic. After the market was down 40, 45%, I was starting to lick my chops. To me, this looked like you know, a really good opportunity. Now, the market continued to go a little bit lower, but it was still, with that benefit of hindsight, of course, sure, it's still a great time to get in. You might be a little bit early, but you know, the pricing was right. My boss at the time had other ideas. He was actually aggressively short. So I, I realized then that if I was going to make a, a success of this, if I was going to do right by my clients, I needed to have more control. I needed to be able to call the shots. So that's when I realized that starting my own firm was not just ideal, it was actually necessary. In creating and developing Blue Orbit Capital, what opportunity set did you see in the market? Yeah, we've always seen ourselves as very opportunistic. And when I launched my firm in 2008, 
I was very focused on traditional assets. The market was cheap. I wanted beta. You know, beta exposure made all the sense in the world. I started shifting more into the alternative space, as uh, particularly as bond yields started to fall. And it seems almost silly saying this now, but as far back as about 2010, 2012, I started to think that bond yields had gone about as low as they possibly could. The risk-free return had turned into the return-free risk, and there was just no more upside in bonds. So if you were going to diversify away from beta exposure, you really had to focus on alternative strategies. Obviously, bond yields continue to go lower, but that basic analysis of, look, if you are diversifying out of stocks and into bonds, you're penalizing your portfolio. You need something that's going to generate, so something that's going to do what bonds do in terms of diversification, in terms of volatility reduction, but without just slaughtering your your returns in the process. And so that led us down a couple iterations and it culminated with us launching the Blue Orbit Capital Fund, which is an alternative strategy that aims for equity-like returns, but largely uncorrelated to equities. We're looking for uh, returns Ideally, better than at least equal to the S&P 500, but without the drawdowns or at least with drawdowns that are not synchronous. We're looking for an idiosyncratic return stream. Do you still see that opportunity set still holding in this market? Absolutely. If anything, the recent events have proven why it matters. The issue we have fundamentally is that assets are expensive whether it's stocks, whether it's bonds, whether it's commodities, crypto, real estate, any what you might think of as a buy and hold investment is really expensive right now relative to recent history, relative to centuries of history, relative to relative to whatever you want to make it relative to. Traditional assets are expensive right now. And the pricing really only makes sense if you believe interest rates will stay low forever and earnings will continue to grow at a really fast clip forever. And neither of those assumptions is something you can really bank on. Could it happen? Sure. But that's not really a bet I'm willing to take. So taking a more active approach, focusing more on alternative strategies that are more actively traded, not just purely dependent on ever-rising asset prices, that's really the only thing that makes sense in this market. Yeah. So in terms of thinking about your clients, if I'm an investor and I'm like, I'm seeking this, and then how should he or she thinking about how does that fit in their portfolio? Sure. So my typical client is what I would call, uh, they range from that entry level high net worth investor, someone with one to 5 million to invest all the way up to that family office level of tens or even hundreds of millions to invest. You know, they really kind of run the gamut there, but they're all kind of looking for the same thing. They have exposure to equities. They have exposure to real estate. They have exposure to all of these asset classes. They want something that doesn't move in lockstep with that. They want something that moves independently. And that's where alternatives really step up. You know, that's where they add value. If you can present something that is accretive on returns, if the returns are at least as good and hopefully better than the rest of the portfolio, but more importantly, they move independently, that's really the deal, right? That's really the value add. Terrific. Since starting your firm, how have you developed or pivoted your thesis and business and why? How would you describe the way you think about the value of the firm 
or the mission of the firm? Sure. The first part of that, we've always pivoted. We never really stopped pivoting. We're continuing to pivot now. We're always looking for new adjustments or entirely new strategies that complement what we're already doing. We like to make our existing strategies better. But beyond that, we like to add new strategies to the mix that provide that all-important diversification. The first big pivot, you know, the founding of the firm was an aggressive long bet on beta, an aggressive long bet that the market would bounce back. We pivoted away from that two or three years into the bull market. We started moving away from traditional bonds. And then a few years after that, we started diversifying out of just pure beta exposure and started focusing on more of these alternative strategies. And now we're continuing to add new strategies to that mix. So we've always, we've been in a constant state of pivoting since the foundation of the firm. That's something we're very proud of. If we ever get stuck in our ways and kind of get ossified there where you just, you get stuck in one way of thinking and you're no longer adaptable, that's probably when it's time to hang it up. So we think we have a really long runway before that happens. But yes, uh, to answer that question, we are in a constant state of pivot. And in terms of what does that mean for the firm? You know, what is what is our value add there? The truth is you can get equity exposure just about anywhere. You can buy an index fund. You can buy any number of long only managers. You can buy long short managers. You know, everyone and their uncle has an equity strategy. And most of them are actually pretty good. We're in a very competitive business where your equity portfolio can't just be good. It has to be extraordinary to compete. And even really good managers have years where they don't match the index and, well, their investors revolt. So stepping away from that dynamic entirely and focusing on, look, you have your equities. We're offering something else. We're offering something that complements what you're doing with your equities. So when your equities hit the skids from time to time, as happens, this is something fundamentally different. So that's really where we're presenting ourselves, where we're presenting the value add. I know people always ask, like, what did you get wrong and what did you learn? But I'm going to ask the opposite of what did you feel that you did right? I would say the biggest thing we did right was not get stuck in any particular way of thinking. My natural disposition is to be a value guy. That's if you were to do a personality test or whatnot, that's where I generally end up placing. But that would have been a disaster over the last 10 years if I just dug in my heels and said, nope, I'm a value guy. I look for cheap stocks and I buy and hold cheap stocks. I would have had my head handed to me over the last decade. You have to be adaptable. And that's really what we've done. We've constantly adapted to the market conditions in place. And if we ever stop doing that, like I said, that's when it's time to hang it up. So interesting. What do you think is your superpower and why? I have the most uh, counterintuitive superpower. I, you, you could say <laughs> we're, uh, we're, we're proudly humble. And what I mean by that is we don't let our egos get in the way. The death of every uh, active investor, the, the, the death of every active trader is the ego. You want to be right. You want uh, to show that you're smarter than the next guy. You, you want to show that you're smarter than the market. And that kind of thinking is the death of every trader eventually. Eventually, you're going to lose if, if that's your attitude. So we are absolutely humble. 
we know that there's things we know. We know that there's things we don't know. We know that there, we, we know that there's things we don't know that we haven't even we don't have even conceptualized yet. There's always going to be something that's going to take you down a notch in the market. And we know that going in and, and we stay humble. We try, we try to keep the risk we take under control. Um, and more than anything, we, we build systems and we stick to them. We don't try to overthink it. We don't try to outsmart our own system. We create rules that work and we follow that. It keeps us out of trouble. It's, it's kept us out of trouble so far. And we expect that uh, it will continue to keep us out of trouble. Thank you, Charles, for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you. We appreciate you taking the time to walk us through your journey and love to have you come back. I'd love to do it. Thank you for listening to Prime Alpha's Visionaries and Innovators podcasts. As always, you can head over to primealpha.com to sign up to our email list, as well as check out our other podcasts. See you next time.